Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of JD Fit in Long Beach, New York, Daniel Rosenblum. Thanks for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, I, I'm excited. Um, you know, everything is a little bit unique, and you have some, some really cool stuff going on there. So let's jump in. Give us a high-level overview. What's JD Fit all about? So we're a personal training company based out of Long Beach, New York. Uh, been roughly training for about 22 to 23 years now, and uh, built up a semi-private training model where we have clients coming in, goals, Clients are looking to get stronger, lose weight, eat better, trying to change routines. Um, and really, it's just personal training. Uh, everyone comes in. It's not an open gym. So everyone comes in is always with the training model. So <clears throat> with the training model, uh, everyone's kind of diving into kind of not really an FMS, but we're kind of starting as everyone is a beginner. <clears throat> Even though they might have experience. We're still going to kind of treat you as a beginner and we're going to hit some indicators to kind of see where you are. Can you do a goblet squat for X amount of, so half your body weight for 10 reps. If you can, we'll move on to squatting with a bar. Uh, can you do trap or deadlifts? And as they keep progressing, they keep getting stronger. They keep hitting more goals. Uh, and the goal is just to get everyone as strong as possible. And as strength increases, health increases, they cardiovascular increases, they start to feel better, they eat better, they make better choices and routines for themselves. Um, it's just really a simple way of let's just get you stronger and kind of cut out all the rest of the BS and make it fun for you. That's the other biggest thing. It's got to be fun or who wants to do it? Yeah, I mean, people miss that all the time. And I want to dive more into that as we go. But people come with, you know, years and years of knowledge and education, and they want to just make everything in person the way you read it out of a textbook. And it's like, if people wanted to work out with a robot or with the textbook, they would just do that, right? There's got to be some personality involved. So we'll dive into that a little bit as we go, but some of where you are now, a lot of where you are now has to be shaped by your past. You've been in the game a long time. You've done some different things. So give us the highlight reel of some of your stops along the way in your fitness career? Because you, you've done a lot. Uh, so it starts off when I'm roughly 19 years old. Uh, kind of got thrown into the fire then. Here's some clients. Go put them on some machines. It's just an old school powerhouse gym. And, uh, you know, you count your reps. It's like the housewife who's kind of bored and wants to talk to you. And, you know, it's just kind of hitting like a curve thing. You're kind of hitting machine after machine and, you know, hey, great job, Mrs. Jones, wonderful job. And, uh, you know, see you tomorrow, see you the next day. Uh, after Powerhouse and those places, went to college, got my degree in my bachelor's in science, uh, was teaching phys ed a little bit, still training. And then from that point, kind of went more towards the free weights and kind of started my own thing and was doing uh, with a friend of mine. We were just doing personal training on the side and I was coaching sports at the time left teaching and I went to work for a company that worked with retro fitness called EFT as a fitness manager, spent uh, two to three years, uh, went from just being managing one club to managing a whole district. Uh, so that went from one club to upwards of almost 12. 
two or three years later, decided to go. Um, I got a big offer from a company, New York Sports Club. Uh, so took on a big salary, took on a bigger position. And same thing, went from one club to upwards of almost three clubs or two to three. And then after two or three years of that, same thing, just kind of hit my kind of end game there and uh, decided to go back out on my own and move back more into just personal training and opened up JD Fit at the time. Uh, and been there ever since. All right. So there are lots to unpack there, but, you know, some, some big things. One is being on the management side of things versus just being a trainer. You get to see a lot of numbers that are involved. A lot of people are like, hey, you know, they, they, don't, they don't see budgets, different things that go into it. You get a lot of trainers are like, hey, the house is making 100 bucks an hour. I'm getting 25 bucks an hour. They're making 75. I'm getting screwed. I got to go do something. But you get a little more insight to that. You see marketing, sales commissions, overhead, things like that. So how much do you feel like that education on the job and that insight to things factored into how you approached going out on your own? Uh, it was, it was huge. Um, like anyone in this industry, I thought I knew everything and I'm really good at sales and, you know, I can do all of this. And uh, the moment I left my company the first time I stopped something and I went to work for a company EFT. Uh, it was, uh, it was more hard sales and wow, did I really learn what sales was? Uh, I thought I was good and these guys really were something and I just kept my mouth shut and I just started listening and, you know, watching how they went about this, the sales part of it was unbelievable. Forget even the numbers to what we were doing in the back office, just the sales part. I was blown away. I mean, these guys were unbelievable. And to sit back and listen to how they did it, um, it really said, I had this, like, I, I got to rework what I'm doing here because, I mean, these guys are pumping out like $80,000 every two weeks. And, you know, these are on yearly contracts they're putting in. People are signing with no problem. They're just handing over the money. And I'm like, man, like this is, I got to get into this. And uh, it was really eye-opening. And at that point I had left teaching and left my own company. And uh, I was like, wow, it was I'd say it was head turning. I could not believe what these guys were doing. And it was, it was all legit. It wasn't like, it wasn't really car sales, but it kind of was a little bit, uh, but just the numbers were unbelievable. And then as you learn the back office, like you said, it was, oh man, I got to pay these trainers. I got to know this X amount. I got to hit this budget. And it, it really opened my eyes to what I really need to learn to actually run a business, not just be a trainer and oh, I'm making X amount of dollars. I need to actually take, full accountability of my business. And that's kind of where it all started to like, oh, this is what I really need to do. Uh, it was, it was just eye-opening. Yeah. You get, you get a, a master's degree in fitness business, working behind the scenes for yeah. some of this corporate stuff for sure. And, and there, there's not really a better education than seeing it and having a budget and having a look at it. And we get tons of people that come in with all the fitness knowledge in the world and people love them and they have this big following. And then they just think if I open a facility, like people are just going to show up and everything is going to be great. If you build it, they will come. It doesn't work that way. It is not that way in fitness, unfortunately. So um, maybe not in a lot of businesses, but in our scope, definitely not in fitness. So 2018 ish is about when you open your first brick and mortar facility. Um, personal training has been your specialty. Now by 2018, 
group training was as big as it's ever been. There's all different concepts. There's a million different things where people, you can scale, you can grow. There's, you know, all this, but you've been pretty hardcore, dedicated personal training throughout, correct? Correct. Now for you, I'm sure you know, there's, there's only so much Daniel to go around. There's only so many hours in the day. Um, it can be tempting to try to expand that way. So for you, is it something that you ever considered or is personal training, semi-private training, like real intensive? Is that just, just a core value for you that you don't want to be tempted by anything else? It is. It really is because it's, it's what they're paying for. They're paying for the personalized experience and they're paying for the personalized programming that goes along with it. Um, you know, we used to get like the, the husband and wives where we want to work out together. And uh, at some point, someone always loses. The husband either can lift heavier, the wife gets frustrated or this can't do that, or two friends work out and one really starts to get in great shape and the other one doesn't. And it always led to one person having a mediocre experience and one person have a great experience. And what happens is that's one person going off and giving you a dozen referrals and that's one person going off and giving you no referrals. So how does it come down to, I need to get both of these people having a great experience and getting double the referrals. Uh, Cause that's what the business is, is it's more, obviously back then was more word of mouth and I need to keep growing my business and I need to have better reviews. And if someone's always going to leave kind of upset because their friend got what they wanted, but they didn't, you're always kind of fighting half a battle. You're always, you know, you're always losing somewhere. Yeah, for sure. And if I'm right, feel, please correct me if I'm wrong, your particular style of training, you do a lot of strength training, a lot of barbell work, a lot of, a lot of things that have more technical aspect that need programming than versus someone doing boot camp or a lot of body weight or a lot of machine-based training, correct? Correct. So even, even more to a higher level is, you know, if, if you have people doing air squats, burpees, and sit-ups, you can kind of make that a, a similar experience for a bunch of people at once. But when it's, you know, what are your percentages? Where are you on progressions? Things like that. It, it generally feels like unless you're a superhuman, you can't give everybody high level service in much more than, you know, a few people at a time for a, a scenario like that. Correct. Okay. So um, you have the, your facility up and running, you know, you, you, I'm sure you had some contacts when you started off. Um, did you, did you bring any clients over that you had trained in the past? Did you start this facility? Was it, from zero or did you have some members to, to kind of get you started when you first opened up in 2018? Uh, well, so <clears throat> I had members opening up in 2018. Uh, I was kind of training more like renting space at a few different small places, very close to Long Beach. And uh, it kind of gave me the notion that I just, I have to bite the bullet and I have to, I got to open my own place. Uh, I was getting stretched thin by driving from place to place or people's homes and uh, the in-home model was working okay, but I still needed to be able to back people up like uh, time-wise back-to-back in order for me to kind of maximize my time. Uh, price-wise, you were getting a lot of pushback. So if I try a real higher price, you know, you're going to be, quanti- you'll be you know, quality over quantity, but I still need to get more people into training. So <clears throat> instead of kind of spinning the wheels, it was just time. Uh, Numbers-wise, it made sense. I started off in a much smaller space, roughly about five to 600 square feet. So it wasn't a humongous overhead and I already had the equipment. So 
already had the rack, the bars, and the weights. So kind of rolling in, it was really just my um, first, last in security and, you know, insurances and all that kind of stuff. So I started, I didn't start in the red. So that was a huge part of it. I started with a good enough amount that I was able to build on it. Got it. And I think there's a big lesson there is we all as trainers, I think almost all of us, we dream of, you know, a hundred thousand square feet and every, you know, every piece of equipment and all that stuff. And it's, I think it comes from our, our, our need to serve. We want to give as much as we can to our clients. And maybe, you know, we want, we think about the toys in the space that we'd like to have for our own training, but you know, there's so many different ways to start. And, and nowadays it's even different. We have so many people that I talk to with big gyms that'll rent out a little bit of space to a trainer, right? I think you did that in some, some rec centers or stuff like that. And then, you know, small subdividing things like that. It's like, I think it's, it doesn't get said enough that it's okay to start small. You don't have to go into 5,000 square feet and wonder where the hell you're going to get all the people and do I need a boot camp and all that stuff. Like, I think it's totally okay to start small, better to outgrow a facility or to have to think about that problem than to have this huge nut to cover every month. And you don't know what you're doing yet, right? You got to kind of, it's a huge problem. part of it. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's, you know, what I've seen over the years and, I always had the dream of owning like a giant gym and man, I'm going to have this trainers, everything onto here. And I was kind of getting into that roughly around 2018 and to see what was going on in this bigger gym and to see the other owners were just spinning their wheels, but not doing what it took to keep growing their business. I was like, this isn't going to be the big gym models. It's not going to be what it's going forward in the future. This is not going to cut it. This isn't going to make me the amount of money that I need to live the life I want to live. Um, so I, I went much smaller and just pack out what I have and I'll keep growing from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I are close enough to the same age to know the great philosophy of the wise P Diddy and Mace, I think in, in big, when they said more money, more problems. Right. <laughs> and on the grand scheme of gyms, like people will see like, you know, these huge, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 square foot places. And like, this is amazing. It's like, yeah, but you need to sign up 30 people a day and they're, they're transient and there's all those things. And if you love that game, then cool. But it's, there are so few people, like most of those are corporate driven where the owner is just an owner and they're just, they're just putting people on the, on the firing line. Like I need you to get 50 signups this week or else I'll hire the next guy that thinks he can do it. It's just a, a crazy revolving door. So clearly that was not the, the hamster wheel you wanted to be on. It, it was close, but uh, luckily I just kind of, I got turned off to it luckily. So uh, I thought about it. I came really close, but uh, it was tough. But I mean, that's everyone's dream growing up as a trainer, big gym and, you know, I can do this. And then you start looking at the numbers again, just like, oh man, I need $60,000 just to cover rents and everything else and payroll. And oh man, like we only have 30 coming in. Where's the other 30 coming from? Oh great. Now I got to sell more training and sell this and you're going to wind up living there. And it's, uh, I mean, who wants that kind of life anymore? And, you know, get married and have your kids. And it's like, uh, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done. Yeah. Things trainers don't love to do are like HR, <laughs> accounting, you know, sales, sometimes sales, you might get a trainer that likes to sell, but like, you don't get a lot of trainers. Like, you know what I want to do? I want to have staff meetings. I want to, I want to create SOPs. Like it's just not in the DNA for the most part on the scale that you need for those places. So 
you get this thing rocking and rolling, you're going, you know, you get a couple years under your belt and then bang, mother nature throws us all the middle finger and, and slings us a pandemic. And anywhere, I know you are not right in the city, but anywhere in New York got smashed. Closures, yeah. regulations, man, like the New York area and like Ontario, Canada and California, I think got it worse than everybody. So what did you do? Did you have to pivot? Did you do the online thing? Are you like doing speakeasy workouts? How, how did you get through the pandemic? Uh, it wasn't easy. I closed my facility. I pulled all my equipment out. Um, I had a little bit of a falling out with the the land, the owner of the building. Uh, I pulled all my equipment and went to my lawyer and said, if they want to contact me and come after me, they can. I had the money to pay, but um, we weren't didn't have to, so I was holding on to it. Um, and then the pivot came. So sitting down and just trying to think of this, what can I do? Uh, I started looking heavily into the online kind of training. I had some people that were able to do it. I took all my equipment and I passed it out to about five or six clients so they can have stuff to do because uh, I live in Massapequa now and I have a home gym. So I converted my two car garage into a home gym where I had some people who I was very close with. They would come train a little bit, which was nice. Uh, and then I was going to people's homes mostly go outside, uh, drag the sled up and down the block, uh, whatever you really could to try and make ends meet at that point. Uh, I'm lucky I have an amazing wife and she has a great job and uh, super supportive of everything I've done. And uh, it, it made it easier because she's like, we'll be fine. You know, we'll be all right. You know, collect a little bit of unemployment. Uh, and then, you know, it is I kept on trying to do the online stuff and watching a screen, watching somebody work out. I can't think of anything more miserable. Uh, it was just terrible. And I'm like, this is the future of fitness. I don't know if I really want to have a part in it. Um, I was writing some programs, sending that out, writing a little bit of content for some other sites and those things, but uh, it, it was it was really tough. New York made it really hard. Uh, they shut everything down. They were giving a hard time. Other trainers were kind of giving each other a hard time. They were going to playgrounds. If one person had a playground, can't have anyone else there. And it was just uh, kind of the wild west. And Luckily, like I said, I have a home gym uh, where I was able to have a couple people. The garage doors were open. Uh, I was very selective of who I did have. They were kind of my little circle of people we had. It was about three to four of them. And a uh, little online, a little bit of programming and them, and really just kind of buckled down until we got through it. All right. So, you, I mean, there's no playbook for this thing. So, you know, I think you could either go in the fetal position and and cry woe is me or make the best out of it. So it sounds like you, you know, you put everything that you could into it. You get through, we're on the other side of it. You get a new location, right? Kind of a, a fresh, fresh start back in, in Long Beach. Um, and then, so personal training and semi-private, that's your bread and butter. And we're going to get into a little bit of the kind of unique way you execute it. But did you take anything and carry over from the pivots you had to make during the pandemic? into this, you know, new version 2.0? Is there, is there anything that you did keep once you were able to reopen? There's two things that I, I must have missed. Uh, the two biggest thing is I actually joined a business networking group. Uh, that was actually, I, I totally forgot, that was actually a very big part of this. Uh, instead of going after clients, I was going after businesses, to have other businesses kind of help me with referrals. And it actually worked out fantastic. Um, I started working with one of the lead Realtors in the area um, and 
you know, there was a really great insurance guy. There was a great lawyer in the group. And this is where I started to really pick up some steam and to pick up a lot of referrals because the business networking group is, oh, great. I have Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones wants to buy a house. Great. You go see the realtor, uh, give her a good referral. And then I was getting, you know, referrals coming back. Uh, so the business networking group was very, very uh, helpful to coming out of the pandemic to starting with the good grounds into starting the business. Uh, the, go ahead, I'm sorry. So I just want to clarify that. Um, so was that one of these groups where like there's one person from each field allowed, like yes. one realtor, one attorney, one? Yes. All right, perfect. Yeah, love that. Love that. All right, what was the other thing? Um, so biting the bullet and actually paying someone to help me with Instagram. Uh, I really thought I can do it. And uh, I leveraged one of my clients who has a business and she's been unbelievable. Uh, this woman, Victoria, her Instagram is strategized with Vic. Uh, having her sit down and help me with the Instagram and actually paying her to do these things, which most trainers and owners of businesses, I, I can figure it out. I can do it on my own. Uh, and I got to the point where I couldn't, I can't do this on my own because I'm not producing enough revenue out of it. Uh, and she took the time because I paid her to, to sit down with me and showed me actually how to produce revenue out of Instagram. Uh, and that was a huge part of it also. So I put, added two big revenue streams when I opened up between the business networking group and Instagram and it paid dividends right away. Uh, those were two big things that helped me as soon as my doors opened, those were, and shoulders above everything else that helped me with everything. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to your Instagram. We'll get it again at the end, but JD fit training on Instagram. It's very consistent. It's very on brand. You scroll through, you go through the timeline. It's, you know, variation of different people, but it's all like, it's somebody in your facility doing an exercise that, you know, may show interaction with you as a coach show but it, it's not just it's not you know people posing for instagram right it's people doing the work you can kind of demonstrate what they can expect it's it's really breeding a lot of familiarity and brand expectations from what i can see uh, because it's just so consistent yeah i mean that was the biggest thing it was pushing i, I don't i know it's my company and i'm supposed to be the face of it but it really comes down to the clients because if I don't, you don't have clients, you don't have a business. Um, so more people see them and they'll see new clients and people like themselves doing these things. Uh, it has helped. And like the next part that I'm getting a push from, from uh, Victoria is to go into more of the Q and A's basically answer more questions for people, which I've been very hesitant of because I'm just so private and I just don't like to go out and time-wise it just makes it really hard and, uh, like fitness, I overthink things. So like, oh, they asked this thing, but I only said this. Well, like, you know, now they're going to think I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm doing because I didn't answer the question this way, but they want this. So I've always been very hesitant with that. Yeah, got it. So that perfectly segues into the next, the big thing that that you're doing that I think is, is really, really bringing out all of this together full circle is um, you realize that, on top of you being, you know, a, a private person and not really a self-promoter, right? Really talking about your clients or results or now even with some other trainers that you have on staff, really making it less about you for, for a few reasons. And I think it's really cool you've done this by integrating this staggered start semi-private 
session model with rotating coaches. So I know there's a lot involved in that and it's your thing. I probably won't do it as, as the justice you will. So explain to us like kind of how this came to be and how it fit into everything that you're doing. I think it's a, a really cool model, very unique. So give us the lowdown on how that works. Uh, so, I mean, I can't be the total credit for it. Uh, I stole it from JL Holdsworth from uh, the Spot Athletics. Uh, saw him kind of do it and kind of uh, wanted to do it on a smaller scale almost. <clears throat> uh, he has a huge facility. I think it's like 20,000 square feet of lots of people coming through. So how can I do that on a smaller scale? Uh, and right now it's basically just one person at a time. And what I've known and coaching, I've coached sports and I've done the group training and everything else. How can I kind of pile this all together and produce kind of the same result? You know, people want the personalized programming. They want to be really attention paid to them, but you know, but they also want to make it a little cheaper on themselves. So how do I not lose the value and still give my time to everyone was basically by having one or two other people there coaching kind of the same way giving the same results, doing the same kind of their individualized program. Um, and it's not really cookie cutter because, you know, first you have, you know, Mrs. Jones comes in and she really wants to improve her squat and she wants to, you know, lose some body weight. And so she's going to be on a program where we're probably going to squat that month. That's, you know, going to help build her up. And then here comes, you know, uh, Sally comes in and she really wants to get some chin-ups done. So programming is going to be anyone fitness man, if I really want to do my pull-ups, I'm not going to sit there and have her squat for, you know, four or five days a week. I'm going to do some pull-ups. So it allows me to segue into, great, this is your goal right now. And that's another big thing is to focus on their goals at the time. So breaking down a yearly plan into a training block. This is your training block for this week. You really want to pull-ups. This is what we're going to hammer home this month to two months. This is your training plan. Let's get going. Uh, cool. We hit our two pull-ups. That's what our goal was. Cool. What's our next goal? That's our next training block. So it can pivot from doing pull-ups to, man, I really want to work on dropping a few extra pounds. Summer's coming. Great. We'll go more on the cardio-based side of it and do a little bit more conditioning. So you're going to get thrown more into, obviously, the you know cardiovascular side of it, and it'll see a little bit higher repetitions and maybe more hypertrophy. Uh, and it allows you to do that because I don't have to worry about having, like, three people in a squat rack all squatting at once. Because, honestly, no one's coming in and all having the same kind of goal and same kind of body types different limb lengths, all these things will come into play as you want to program. And it's like, I have roughly about 1,800 square feet and about almost 800 square feet of usable space to train, but I'm only using about 300 of it, 400 of it, having two people train. All right, so let me get another person in here because I have plenty of space. And, you know, throwing another person into the mix, having three people. And at three is when I started to bring on the other trainer. Uh, just to have another set of eyes and having the other trainer there helping me so I don't have to be the one coaching everything and I can take a step back and watch what's going on and they're going to be more of the hands-on and I'm going to be more the one overseeing what's going on with the program and still doing some coaching but I'm going to be able to take a step back and watch what's going on and keep being able to step away and build my business. Great, someone comes to the door, I can worry about the sales part of it and take care of it. They're still coaching and we don't really miss a beat. So you're still getting eyes on the clients. You're still getting basically a two to three to two to four ratio of, you know, trainer to client and they're getting a great experience now. So they're still getting their individualized goals and they're kind of still, you're not packed into a gym where it's like group setting. Everyone's doing the same exercise. Everyone's doing the same thing. Uh, so 
people see that little bit of difference. You know, what is she doing? She's doing pull-ups. You know what? That's what I want to do next. And it segues into the next training block. And that's kind of where you'll see the little bit of differences. Yeah. I, I mean, we talked about this off the air a little bit. I love the, the staggered start and how it helps you scale. But, you know, the very last piece that you hit too, like it didn't dawn on me. And it's one of the things I love the most about what we do here. Selfishly, I get to see what other people are doing, but we share like that little tidbit. And if you missed it, when you overlap like that, somebody can see what somebody else is doing. And we want people to focus on what they're doing while they're working out, but it helps people have different goals to expand their horizon, to give them that next carrot to chase, which ultimately is going to keep them more engaged. It's going to give them, you know, a little bit of a fresh idea. And we all need to get our ideas from outside of our own head sometimes, right? We, we can think ourselves in circles, but just seeing that and be like, oh, that looks cool. And I think that's a good enough reason, you know, in, in fitness, we sometimes want to like overthink things and analyze it. And, you know, why do you want, sometimes people just see something like that looks cool. looks fun. looks like it looks interesting. Can I do that? And in a personal training session, you can almost always say yes. Whereas in a group setting, you'd be like, well, Sally, you know, you're not ready for this and you need to, you know, you need to do X, Y, Z. You can be like, sure, I'll put together a plan. You know, we're going to finish whatever you're doing now. Boom. We'll work into this. So it, it kind of feeds into that monster for you just by letting people see what somebody else is doing. I love that. Yeah. And the staggered time is nice because as my, let's say my 7 a.m. clients are coming in, here comes two more at 7.30. And then as my seven o'clock clients are finishing up, here comes two more at eight. So it's a nice consistent flow of people finishing out their programs, people starting their programs. So you might see some heavier squatting, but then you're gonna see the assistance work. So you're not overloaded with three or four people at the squat rack all at once. Um, like I gotta get my squats or my bench in. And you know, it's, man, that person's working on triceps while you're doing that. And it, it just makes a nice consistent flow to it. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things you started touching on was bringing in those additional trainers. And, you know, again, it's it's the bane of, of everybody's existence that's trying to bring in trainers is the balance, right? Technical ability, personality, you know, it's it's super hard if you if you care about keeping clients to find that perfect mix. So I know that you have, you know, you you've had some some situations where you've had to go through people that weren't a great fit, but want to focus on the positive, the people that you found that do have this balance, personality, technical ability, empathy, like where do you find them? What are your best resources right now for finding the trainers that are going to be able to engage at the high level that you require? It sounds selfish, but my own clients, <laughs> uh, you know, it is my, right now my two trainers uh, have both trained with me for the last year and a half and they've all talked about becoming trainers and getting certified and getting their insurances done and they've, they've done it. So, and now it's segue into actually starting to actual train clients and basically give them almost a little bit of an internship. So you're going to get trained and then you're going to sit here while as I train clients and be able to watch what's going on. Uh, and it's helped them segue into actually working with the trainer themselves to actually doing the training with the clients. So it's made an easy segue for them to 
come out of like, I mean, I'm sure you're used to it. Like, oh, I love to work out, so I must be a good trainer. That's, that's not what works. And uh, I wish it did because life would be a little easier. And that little segue, once again, of them working with the trainer themselves. And I, I tell them all the time, go, go do 10 other sessions with 10 other trainers and get an idea of how people speak, the verbiage, how they interact with people. Uh, are they nice to people? Are they actually listening to what your goals are and what you want? And it's, it's helped produce a good trainer who doesn't maybe have a ton of experience, but they, they, kind of, they hit the ground running. And my third trainer who's going to be starting, same thing. She worked for me about three or four years ago. And same thing. She's already hit the ground running and it's made an easier transition. Uh, only problem is there's just not enough of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, it's very different, you know, in the group training, boot camp, CrossFit, you know, that model we see a lot of people pulling from their clientele um, in personal training studios, not as much. So, you know, I think there's, you know, there's always a little bit of a, of a higher standard. There's more expectations. So I can see why it's difficult, but, you know, I, again, to just highlight something that is going to make uh, head and shoulders difference as you can step away a little bit, these people that, you know, that you've seen come through, You've seen them on their best days and on their worst days, probably. You know what their range is. So if you have to have that sales conversation with somebody coming in and you're going to sign them to, to Bobby or Susie or, or whomever, you can really back them up with conviction. Like, I don't just know this person because I hired them from, you know, Equinox and they have a bunch of search. Like, I've been seeing this person for this long. And I know that on their worst day, they're seven. And on their best day, they're an eleven. And they're going to crush it. They're going to give what I need them to give. So like, it's going to give you so much more conviction as you know that you're not going to be training every single person that comes in. It's, uh, it's made the sales easier because of what you said, um, they've seen the person, they've worked with me. Oh, this person has been training with you for a year and a half, even more than that almost. Uh, so it's made that easy transition into them hitting the ground running with that. So I'm not selling myself anymore. I'm selling the experience. I'm selling you a great time and still building to your goals. doesn't matter if it's me or, you know, I have Eric and Kelsey and Jen, doesn't matter who it is. It's you're coming into a great environment and it's the environment that's going to help you get to your goals. And you do have great coaches and the coaches are a huge part of that environment. Uh, but you're not, you're not just training with Dan. You're not just always seeing Dan. doesn't make a difference. I'm there or not. You're going to get the same great experience whether I'm there or not. Absolutely, man. I love that you're so, so tuned into that, to that experience, because really like we can break down any number of things and new trainers think that everything is about results and technique and all the, all the certs and all that stuff. You spend a little bit of time in this game. You realize that people are paying you for a feeling and an experience more than anything. It makes people feel good about themselves to know they're doing something. They could, their goal could be six weeks, six days, six years down the line. But if the, if the feeling that they get, if people don't generally feel better when they leave you than when they came now, physically, they might feel like a truck hit them, but like, feel like, Hey, I'm doing this. I know I'm doing it. I see it hit my bank account. I know I'm good. People are chasing a feeling they're chasing an experience. And if you, the sooner we all recognize that and give, give more respect to it, the more we can kind of get out of our own way and just help more people. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it was, I mean, we talked about the quote before, uh, you know, I can teach you how to teach someone how to deadlift or work out. 
I can't teach you to not be a better person. And honestly, it's a huge, the experience is a huge part of this. And just finding better people is really the epitome of this. Once again, you maybe aren't the best trainer. Maybe you don't know everything, but if you go above, you know, head and shoulders above and give them a really great experience, they're going to come back. They're going to enjoy what they did and they're going to tell their friends about it, how great it was. Did you lose any weight? I don't know, but I had a great time. You know, it's, it really, I wouldn't say it matters as much as that, but it's a huge part of that. Just be a better person. And if you do a better job than your competition, then it really shouldn't be that hard to do this. That's huge, man. And it's one of those things that, you know, the cherry on the top there is anybody who's done this long enough knows you may have a client who came to you for body transformation and they're with you three or four years later. And it's, it's hard because we get so involved in it. They might look almost the same as they did. Now they could be stronger. They might have more endurance. They might look almost the same, but they're the happiest person and they're telling all their friends and they thought they were coming in even for that. And they're like, you know what? I don't actually care about that. I feel good. I'm rocking whatever I'm rocking. I'm who I am. And those people sometimes will go out and, and proselytize and advertise for you more than someone who might lose a hundred pounds and, and all that, like their friends will notice, but they might not talk about it as much. So recognizing that that it's just like hey it's not results are important but it but not being a dick and making people like you is probably the the one of the more important skills you'll see it on instagram people will start reposting their videos and their pictures and like oh man she seems so miserable today but then she goes and posts the video and it's like she must have had a pretty good time she seems like she definitely enjoyed herself then and you know it's you'll that's where you'll start seeing some like results like oh i didn't think she would put that up but she did so Man, she must have really saw something that really she enjoyed in that moment. And it, it really makes a world of difference. And, you know, it's, it, it is that experience part to it. And uh, it really has made all the difference in my business. And uh, I wouldn't say necessarily being better than competition, but providing a better experience than all my competition has made the world of difference in my business. Yeah. And to go full circle, you can turn around and highlight those things on Instagram and then it just keeps feeding and coming back to it but we are nearly out of time so last thing that we're gonna have a minute or two to hit here what's the future hold for you you're crushing it with staff now you got two great trainers third one coming on you're gonna be you know you know what you're you're able to bring on more clients what does this look like long term for you do you think that are you like a multi-location guy a bigger gym is this going to be the final form of this thing like What's, what's big picture, long-term wave a magic wand goal for you? Uh, it's tough, man. Being 41 and having kids and a family now, uh, I'm trying to segue into more ownership, less training, uh, and kind of running more of the back end of the business. Uh, it, thinking that it goes into either multiple locations, multiple smaller locations, or possibly one bigger one. Um, obviously with the market, the way it is now, it's very difficult. I work with a realty agent and been looking at properties and, but it's the same kind of thing. It's like, oh man, look at this like 30,000 square foot facility and I can buy the building now because I've done well enough for myself. But like, oh, is that really the way fitness is gonna go now? And honestly, if you asked me this question three years ago, I would have said, yes, I'm doing this. And I still get that inkling a little bit, but now I'm more, looking into smaller spaces um, and possibly reproducing this on a smaller scale. 
open up to other places that make sense. Uh, start off with 500 to under a thousand square feet and, you know, buy two smaller spaces uh, and more of the ownership part and uh, actually buying the building. That's going to be the biggest part, actually getting out of rentals and actually starting to own more. Oh yeah. We could, I could easily, you know, pick your brain on the real estate side of things. Maybe we can get you back for another episode, but I think that's a, a great note to kind of end on is people need to be paying more attention to real estate. It can be intimidating, but you're working with, you know, with the professional. It's just like we tell people in, in coaching and fitness, don't try to figure this stuff out on your own, find a professional, find someone you can touch. But like, we all need to be thinking about the real estate game at, at some point in this thing, because it's, it's a great extra play tax advantages, backup plans. There's a million things that go with it. So um, we are officially running out of time here. So we'll have to end on that note. But before I let you go, um, for our audience, website, social media, hit us with the, the Instagram again and your website. Where can we find uh, more about JD Fit? JD Fit Training, uh, at JD Fit Training is Instagram. JD Fit Long Island is our Facebook. I should probably know that definitively. Uh, you'll find me more on Instagram than Facebook. Um, our website is jdfittraining.com. You can go hit any of the links, uh, message anyone has any questions, always feel free to reach out. I do my best to get back to everyone. And uh, that's it, man. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on with us here today. I wish you continued success. I think there's still, there's still a lot in the tank. So I look forward to seeing where it goes. Uh, me too. Uh, it's it's uh, a lot of things ahead to come up. Right. It's, it's an adventure, but it's a fun ride and it's worth it if you're in it for, for the reasons that, that you and I both are, I know. So we have to say goodbye to our audience. We appreciate you being here with us. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Wars Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Fernandez. And joining us on the show today is a very, very special guest. It is Kate LaBoss with Day One Athletic Club out of California. Kate, what is going on today? Happy Tuesday. How are you feeling? Happy Tuesday, JJ. I'm feeling good. How about you? Always good. Every day is a good day on this side. We appreciate you being here. We're excited to have you on. And, uh, you know, before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you have going on with day one, you know, first, Kate, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you describe the business to people and what made you get started in the first place? So I would describe our gym as very much of a family oriented community gym um, where Somebody, somebody just described it recently as, um, you know, kind of a, a family that anyone can be a part of. Um, we're, uh, we're a CrossFit style gym, so we do CrossFit style workouts. Um, however, 
you know, I have a lot of people who have never had experience doing CrossFit before and are intimidated by the word CrossFit, totally understand that. Um, and so for those folks that are nervous to try CrossFit, I always tell them, hey, you know, it can be as simple as just using your body, um, as simple as just doing a squat with no weights, just squatting, just like you would if you were to sit down on your couch and stand back up. And when I break it down like that, it doesn't seem as scary um, for those newer people. But I would say that my niche is probably um, more novice and beginner people um, that are just kind of beginning their fitness journey or who are just coming back into it. And our gym always has dogs and always has kids. And um, it's a it's a big uh, family, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. And so let's just dive right into it here. We'll start with the bare bones basics. Um, Kate, so how many, how many members are you guys at currently? So currently we're in the 20 something range, um, which is down about half from what we were at. We just got a new location in March. And so with the move, um, you know, we did lose some people just due to transportation and things like that. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Sacramento area, but we were in the downtown area of Sacramento. And so when you have a downtown area, I'm sure it's the same in New York. Um, you know, you have a lot of pedestrians or people that get, get around by way of bike and walking and all those things. And so um, we're a little bit off the beaten path now. We're more in an industrial complex in um, a different part of Sacramento, about 10 minutes away. And so right now we're, t you know, kind of trying to rebuild um, a little bit with some new demographics in the neighborhood that we're in and um, and bringing in more people that, you know, are friends with the members already. Cause I feel like, you know, your next member is always connected to the one that you already have, right? Yeah. Um, and so totally. that's my biggest thing is trying to get more people in who already know people here. So that's scary for them on their first day. If you know a friendly face in here, you're more likely to, you know, show up and try it out. You don't feel like you're gonna be alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so now, with the new location, I don't know if this has changed at all, but what's been the best method of finding new clients? So my, my favorite method for finding new clients is definitely going to be um, word of mouth. That's proven to be the most effective, especially for like long-term members. Um, I offer my members a really good incentive for referring people to the gym um, because, you know, <clears throat> for them, it is a thank you because I truly value the fact that they love this place enough to tell somebody else about it and bring them here, you know? Um, and so what I do, what I do for my members is if they bring somebody in and they try out a class and they end up signing up, um, I'll give that member 50% off of their next month's dues. And, um, if they bring in two people in a month, then their next month is, um, is going to be free. <laughs> and that's how I've, I've done it since the very beginning. It's proven to be a very effective referral program. And the other way that I've gone about building my business is through the old school paper flyers door to door. I spent weeks and weeks and weeks um, last summer going door to door. I was walking like three to six miles a day, just going door to door with flyers. And surprisingly enough, four of my long-term members, I actually got from a, from a flyer. So yeah yeah and so for you uh has anything on the digital space whether it's marketing or just your website google instagram facebook has that played a factor at all in acquiring clients i would say absolutely i think one of the things that i would say you know and i'm not going to keep like any tips and tricks myself because i think that every small business owner has a place in this world and my competition isn't the next gym um my competition is finding more people that fit my demographic, right? 
there can be, I mean, there's a, literally a CrossFit gym, not even a mile down the street. It's actually like at our 800 meter mark. And we always joke, if you see another group of people running, don't join them, just come back now. Okay. You'll end up in another gym. Um, but my competition isn't them. My competition is finding more people that fit my demographic because what they have to offer is completely different than what I have to offer. So what I will say as far as, um, as the digital side is concerned, um, I haven't had a bunch of success from doing targeted ads. What I have found is that I get responses from people thinking that this is um, similar to like a corporate gym and they want to know right off the bat, how much is it, right? They think they're going to come in and they're going to pay for equipment and um, come in and work out. And so they, they haven't yet seen the value in a private gym or in having a coach or um, in what it is that having a community can really do for your fitness journey. And so, um, you know, I kind of try and explain that to them, you know, hey, we're, you know, not like a gym where you come in and you just use the equipment we're more of like a gym where you come in and there's a program and there's people and family and friends and fun and um and i try and you know explain it that way so i haven't had a, a ton of success on the online side with um ads and stuff like that but i can say that as far as like um utilizing the digital world for putting out reels and things like that to catch people's attention that that's been really effective for sure yeah 120 percent and so now let's say leads, clients, members, whatever you want to say, we're unlimited here, right? And they were coming in consistently, uh, let's say 10 a day, right? Hypothetically speaking here, of course, with where you're at now, how much higher can you go? What would that max look like for you? There is no ceiling. There is absolutely no ceiling. I have huge ideas and huge plans for what I want to do in the future. And I know exactly what steps I need to take in order to get there. And I fully think that that is possible. Um, one of the biggest things that I've, I've found to be very effective, which I'm trying to implement more right now, is doing community events and ones that necessarily don't even have anything to do with fitness, right? Like I have um, a business mentor right now who has helped me with planning some of these community events. And one of the really cool ideas we had for either July or August would be to do like a family movie night at the gym where we do like a movie on the wall projected up there. Everyone can bring tents or sleeping bags and we can do like a camp out in the gym, make popcorn, um, do like kind of more aimed at like the kids for this one. Um, we, we did Murph obviously last month. That was our one year anniversary and Memorial Day Murph. Um, and that was a huge turnout. We had like six new people um, that showed up just to do Murph for their first time, <laughs> which was awesome. If you don't know what Murph is, it's um it's a one mile run, 100 pull ups, 200 push ups, 300 squats, and another one mile run for time. <laughs> In wow. a week. So it is a lot. That is no yeah. joke. I've done it once, and I don't know if I can do it again. But <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Actually, yeah. one of my long, long time guys. That was his first day. Was last year. Murph was his first workout. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure he was like, "Oh, what did I get myself into?" <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And so now, you know, let's say even with where you're at now, right? Or even in the past, I don't know if it's shaken, if it has changed, I'd love to hear how it has, but um, you know, how have you gone about, or what's been your best method of tracking, right? So whether it's just churn rate, how many people are coming in on a monthly basis, you know, the lifetime value of each client, you know, how do you track those metrics with the clients you have now? 
So that's actually a really great question, JJ. Thanks for asking that. Um, so like I said, I think I mentioned, I have a, a business mentor right now that's offered me some, um, you know, the cool thing about owning a business is you can trade services with people. So um, like, I don't, I don't pay for my hair to get done. Okay. It stays this blonde because I trade services. You know what I mean? So trades is the way to go. is what I'm saying. So trade with people. I have a business coach that I'm trading for personal training and she has done an amazing job of guiding me on how to track these kinds of metrics and analytics. Um, we're working on that right now. So I don't have a ton of knowledge as far as that is concerned because she's kind of showing me how to do it more effectively. Um, what I have used up until this point has been just my own software system that I've been using, which is Wattify. It's been really good for tracking those kinds of things. Um, and then I have paper records because I'm super old school and do everything analog. I have a binder with like everyone's original like um, waiver and you know release of liability and all that stuff and um i keep track of everything on a paper document and then on the computer as well so um i have found that having somebody who has a little bit more knowledge than you do when you're starting a business is really really helpful because it's really easy to get lost in the sauce and to not know any of your analytics or any of your data or any of your um measurable you know measurable tools that you can utilize to figure out what is my lifetime member? What is that, what is my cost of doing business, right? Those are all things that as a business owner should be, you know, kind of in the forefront of your mind when you're operating. So um, I wish I had a more in-depth answer for you. I'm kind of working on that currently. <laughs> no, it's totally okay. It's totally okay. Sometimes we don't always have the answer and that's totally okay, right? As long as you're progressing in the direction, it's all that really matters. And so now, I'm going to, here's a little bit of a longer winded question. I, I like this question. It's a good way to kind of self-reflect in a way as well. So, you know, in the fitness and gym industry, there's about three pillars of business views pretty predominantly, and that's going to be your lead generation, which is your marketing, your client acquisition, which is your sales, and then your retention and ascension, which is keeping your clients longer, but getting them to buy more from you in that process. So of those three, Kate, where do you feel like you could improve the most? I would say, you know, I would say that the, the third one was my biggest, um, my biggest lesson this year, because when I took that, that big hit, when I moved, right, where I lost some members, um, what I really got to do was look at the silver lining. And what I got to do was form really personal and close relationships with the members that stuck around. And what that does is it, creates that bond and makes it so much stronger. So those folks that have stayed with me, they feel personally connected to this gym. They feel like they have stake in it, right? Um, and because it's been just myself running this place for the last year, I just got an assistant coach. She just passed her level one and just passed training with me and has just done her first um, solo class as a coach on her own. Um, I was sick a couple weeks ago and had to take some time away from the gym. And I've never gotten to do that before. And I was terrified. And so, um, you know, what I realized is that when you give people a responsibility in taking part in their gym, whether that is being part of the cleanup crew or helping set up or tear down from an event, or, you know, when we opened, we were shy a couple of plates and we had some people that were like, Hey, I have stuff in my garage gym that I don't ever use anymore. Let's just bring it to this gym. Like, so we had people bring stuff into the gym, right? Med balls, barbells, like just random collections of stuff. And when people feel invested, they stay around. But that was something that I needed to um, discover for myself by losing some people and strengthening those relationships and finding the value in building 
um, a deeper sense of community. So I think for now, since I have that one on lock, um, the the other two are my my weaker points right now because I've done a really good job of of making, um, you know, my members feel appreciated and feel like this is their gym because it is. I can't do this without them. They are the lifeblood of my dream. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And then the fact that you at least know where you can ruin it. And what I will say too is I also appreciate the honesty and transparency as well. Because, you know, regardless of success, the fact that you can still admit to the fact that you can still improve, you know, is an eye opener, I think, for, you know, a lot of the viewers. And so, last two questions are here, Kate. My two favorite questions. I'm kind of curious to see, you know, I wasn't asked this one earlier, but I think it's more appropriate to ask towards the, the end of the, of the podcast. So, you know, what's the bigger picture long-term? What are you trying to accomplish? So long-term, my biggest goal um, is that I would like to be able to, I would love the opportunity to be able to expand and have multiple locations. My, my biggest goal is to help as many people as possible. Um, and I want people to find health and fitness, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, I've been toying around with programming for those people who can't necessarily afford the cost of a private gym like mine, but that can afford, um, you know, a smaller membership to a corporate gym and they just don't have any programming or coaching. And so um, I want to help those people too. You know, I want to help people that I don't want there to be barriers to fitness. I don't think that children should be a barrier to fitness. I don't think that, um, you know, I try and have my, my prices at a point that I think is fair because, I don't want finances to be a barrier to fitness. Um, I don't want, you know, I think that there are a lot of barriers to being able to afford a healthy lifestyle and it can be a deterrent for people. And so I try and make it as accessible as possible. So long-term, what I would like to do is I would really, really love to expand to have an entire kids program because right now we have so many children who have been coming now with their parents for over a year. And the really cool thing is that they watch their parents work out, right? And so what happens is like last week I turned around and I see this seven-year-old and he's doing devil's presses, okay? With like five pound dumbbells. And I've never taught this kid a devil's press, but he has watched, which means he's watching his mom. He's watching his mom every single day, come in here and get strong and do hard things. And even if she can't do them that day, she might be able to do them next month or even three months down the road, right? So these kids are watching and they wanna try pull-ups and they wanna try box jumps. So I want a kids program. Um, I would also really love to do, um, you know, more youth focused strength and conditioning, more sports specific. So we're located in a facility that directly across the street from us, there is a um, batting facility. It's a, it's a batting cage and they have um, a bunch of the kids from the little league in the area. And so what I would really like to do is expand to have a sports specific, you know, strength and conditioning for kids who are in baseball, you know, ages, what, eight to 17 or something like that for youth. Um, but in the long term, what I would really like to do is be able to have multiple locations and I would love to have them fully staffed and have the opportunity for me on like a Wednesday morning to be like, you know what, I'm going to go to that location and I'm going to pop in and take a class. I would love the opportunity to like not be the person doing the programming and scrubbing the toilets and cleaning the gym. And I would love to come out at my gym and be able to see how my coaches are doing. And that's like the, the long term goal is like, I want to pop in on Wednesday and work out. I love that. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Such an awesome, and I think it, it's obviously definitely realistic. You know, I think at the end of the day, right? You know, I think the only barriers you'll have is what is really comes from what you think you can accomplish, and the fact that you already know so far down the road that specifically this is definitely what you want to do. 
I think that's awesome. And so one last question for you here, which is by far my favorite question. And it's, if you could go back in time to when you first started the gym and give yourself that one piece of advice that you think you, you really need to hear, Kate, what would that advice be for you? Mm, I think that that advice would probably be um, to accept more help than it's offered. I have um, a perfectionism complex. I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. There's probably somebody listening to this that is like, yeah, if I even step away from my gym for five minutes, it will burn to the ground, right? Like that's the fear. It's like, if I'm not there, it will all fall apart. And um, you know, I've gotten it to a place now where, like I said, I was sick a couple weeks ago and I was able to, to take a few days off because I'm a person and I need to rest. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to get better, right? And so being able to be in a space where I'm able to do that is amazing. But I think that burnout is a real thing. And um, when you're starting your business, you have the means to have staff or have you know people doing a bunch of the different aspects or helping you in certain ways. But there's always members that are willing to contribute somehow. And I think I need to still continue work on working on learning how to accept help that people offer um, and not do everything on my own because the truth is is that when i do leave the gym it doesn't burn to the ground um, nothing goes wrong and no one gets hurt <laughs> and you know things still get done and um i have to have faith that like even you know even when it comes to like the little things that like people are people are willing to help and they want to help people want to help and I have to let them because I can't do everything on my own. And I think that that's been the biggest lesson is like, I was not prepared for the rate of growth at which I grew. Um, it's not common from what I understand around this for um, the time that I have been to um, in less than a year, grow to a membership size of 40 plus, And in that time also move to your own location. That just, that doesn't happen for a lot of people. And I, I am fully aware of that and grateful for the opportunity that I've had this year. It's been an incredible, amazing ride this far. Um, and I think looking back, I was just kind of like in disbelief that it, <laughs> that, that could happen. And so I wasn't prepared, right? I had like no real program or system. Like I didn't have Wattify at that time. I had, um, I had people like, you know, using, um, I was doing like the programming on like a private Facebook group. Um, and having people like post their time into the comments because I, I couldn't afford a system and I had like six people. Um, so I would have planned a little bit better and gotten set up with like a software, even if I couldn't necessarily afford like the deluxe version of it at that time, I would have had something um, just so I was prepared for what was to come because it was it, it was a really rough transition changing everything over into Wattify, which also was compounded with the move. So it was just kind of bad timing, like a lot of change at once. And I think if I could do things over again, I would have maybe spread that change out a little bit over a, a period of time rather than being like, hey, we're getting a new system and also a new location, <laughs> you know, just like freak everyone out all at once. I get it. I gotcha. I love it. Talk about a mic drop of an answer there, Kate. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Look, we absolutely, I wanted to say that, well, number one, if this was your first podcast, you're awesome. That first one. <laughs> but uh, it's a good place to wrap things up on this episode. Before we sign out, you know, please, Kate, shout out your Instagram, your Facebook, your website, anything you have. Where can people find out more about you and the gym? 
Oh my gosh, yes, please. So I'm actually in the middle of a website revamp right now, waiting on new photos of the new gym to put up there, which I'm like so excited about because it's yes. such a change and it's like so exciting. So um, website is day one, the number one. So day one athleticclub.com. Um, it's in the middle of a revamp. So there's not a whole lot on there right now but stay tuned. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Kate lifting. So it's C A I T lifting. And then, um, you can find us on Instagram for the gym. You can find us at day one athletic club. We have an Instagram there as well. We're on Facebook too. I'm on Facebook. You can find me there. You can find the gym there. Um, follow us. We post really cool stuff and we, um, we're a fun group. So you'll, there's never a dull moment. Um, <laughs> And, you know, our theme, I guess, is um, fitness for everybody. So I think that that's something, you know, just to kind of, you asked earlier what kind of differentiates us as a gym. And uh, I think when people think of CrossFit, they tend to think of people who, you know, eat burpees for breakfast and gulps for dinner and maybe look a certain way or um, have a certain physique. And what I've learned in, as being a strength athlete myself is that there is no size for strength sports. There's not like a certain, there's not, there's no one size fits all for what aesthetically a strength athlete looks like. And when you can identify that um, every body has a place in the fitness industry um, and you can see how people building confidence in the body that they were born into, it's, it's so empowering. And I think that that's, you know, kind of what I wanted to end with is that our, our goal here at Day One Athletic Club is that fitness should be for everybody. And that's my biggest goal is to get as many people um, who want health and happiness. I want to give that to them. You know, it's free and it's accessible if you want it. And I'm here to give as much knowledge and information as uh, people would like to absorb. And I'm here to meet you with as much effort as you are willing to put into it. I'm willing to match that 100%. I love it. I love it, Kayla. Like, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road. And to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, Hit the like and subscribe button. And if you want to come in and join us and talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Miss Erica Kosminski of Innovative Fitness, coming to you from Warrendale, Pennsylvania. Erica, how are you today? What's going on? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I am tremendous. I'm excited to 
dig into the nitty gritty of this business and, and pick your brain and see what kind of wisdom we can extract out of there. Before we do that, I'm a big believer in context. And so for people who aren't familiar with you or aren't familiar with the gym and the business that you run, tell us a little bit about Innovative Fitness, first and foremost. What is this gym about? Um, okay, so Innovative Fitness is, it's a very small, intimate um, setting gym. So we do a lot of semi-private training. We do classes. Um, it's also open 24 hours. So members can come in and out as they please with a um, with the, just a badge to the building. Um, so it's also all about trying to help people be more comfortable in the gym, be more comfortable working out and doing what you know they like to do, whether that be with personal training, with classes, um, or just with the membership itself. So it's very small, like, a, like I said, a kind of small knit community type yeah. of gym. Take us back a little bit to, to when this whole thing got started. When, when did this idea spark in your head, I'm going to open up this gym? And, and what was your original goal when you set out with this? Um, so actually, originally, I was doing some part-time personal training. Um, I used to do corporate wellness and some wellness coaching, and the training was on the side. Uh, so I met an owner of um, this big corporate building out in Warndale, and he wanted to put a gym in there. So that kind of sparked my idea of running, running that direction, getting out of corporate wellness and going full into training and opening this gym up. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. And, and somehow we found ourselves as a business owner. We didn't quite plan on it, but we no, did. you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look back. Um, it was, it was the best decision I could have made. Um, it's like I said, with the small, small setting, it made it easy to kind of, you know, you, you try and, and trial and error with things. Some things failed, some, some things did well. So that made it easy too. Yeah. I, I can imagine that, uh, <laughs> there's always things that, that we're going to get wrong. I think that's sort of just the game of owning a business like this, but minimizing those mistakes certainly helps as we move forward. Now, let me pick your brain on this. What's been your favorite part about owning your own business? And then on the flip side of that, what's been the most challenging part about owning your own business? Um, my favorite part is probably just getting relationships with the people. You meet so many different people, so many different talents and levels of even fitness and just everything. Um, so that that's definitely my favorite part. You get to work with everybody, um, you know, whether it be high school kids or older adults, seniors, kind of everything. So that part is, that's really cool. You just learn, you learn a lot of different things. Now and the least favorite. The side. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? I think my least favorite part is, is the business end of it. Even like, like all the, the marketing and all of that stuff that obviously you have to do as well. Um, but it takes you away from the actual gym, the people, so that end of it, like I love the the training, coming up with training programs and that kind of stuff. So when you have to kick yourself out of it and do more of the the marketing and the serious business stuff, that's not fun. Yeah, uh, and somewhat <laughs> a necessary evil for the the industry that you found yourself in. And and I think yeah. it's interesting. So many owners that I talk to and fitness people in general find themselves religiously tracking things like sets and reps, weight on the bar, rest periods, tempo, all of this. But when it comes to tracking business metrics, 
little bit less dedicated and, and a little bit more lost. And so it can be a challenge. And, and oh, so yeah. For it you. Account sets all day. <laughs> yeah, that's what part. I mean. For you, as the business stands now, talk to us a little bit about the business model and, and the services we have available. Because there's a couple of different aspects of this, right? It's not just a one size fits all thing. What is, if right. I walk through the doors of Innovative Fitness today, what can I sign up for? So you can sign up for either semi-private training. So we have um, classes as well, which are just group fitness classes. And then we have gym memberships. So you can package things together. So for instance, if you sign up for personal training and say you wanted to do two times per week, you would get those sessions. And then you could also do unlimited classes, add that into a package and then add the membership as well. So we kind of build it around what you want to do. Yep. And so tailoring the product to the individual becomes paramount here. Yes. Which of those services do you think is probably the, the most popular or your sort of main offering? Oh, definitely the personal training. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, and PT is interesting and, and especially through, I mean, the time that you've been open, you experienced and lived through a really weird time to own a business. <laughs> how do the numbers or the membership in total, how do those numbers now compare to 2019 or even early 2020? So we did, we lost a lot of people. Um, luckily I kept most of my training clients. Um, we were able to do a lot of zoom training. I was doing classes on zoom. We were just doing like emailing back and forth. So a lot of my personal training clients, um, stayed with me. Um, thank God, definitely blessed to have those people. But a lot of the general memberships kind of fell off because obviously there wasn't a gym to come to. You know, those people that weren't interested in doing the classes or on Zoom or doing the workouts on Zoom, they kind of fell off. So yeah. we definitely took a hit in 2020. Um, but since then, we're we're back. We're actually better than we were pre covid times so i think a lot of good came out of it too because people were so dormant and just hanging out at home they were ready to get back out there get into the gym and, and start moving again yeah so i think kind of a curse and a blessing all in one yeah it, silver lining at least yes. Thanks so <laughs> the numbers have have gotten back to and, and to your point potentially even surpassed where we were yes. before even now, as you look at capacity, are you guys full or do you think you still could add to this membership? Um, oh, we can still add, yes. Okay. I want to entertain the conversation of what marketing looks like for you. You've already mentioned that that's somewhat of a challenge and, and not your favorite part about running a business, but a necessary evil, right? Fitness yes. businesses need fitness business customers at the end of the day. <laughs> How have you found success in attracting new leads and new members? Um, so I use social media a lot. Um, I also do the direct mail flyers. So I've done the like direct mail coupons a few times just to um, housing in the area and then also social media posts. So I try to stay up on even posting different sample, sample workouts. Um, posting those to try to get people motivated, some sample, you know, videos of the classes that we do or the personal training that we're doing. So everybody can see what it looks like to even make it a little bit less intimidating too. Yeah. Just walk you, they know what they're walking into. Social media is 
an interesting way route to take this conversation because I think there's a number of ways to manage it. Social media has become the dominating force in fitness for everybody, right? Yes. Instagram, Facebook. If we're not on these platforms and active, people are likely going to find somewhere else to go. It's right. People do their due diligence and, and want to see what they're joining before ever stepping foot into a facility. Exactly. I think it's the first thing people look at. If they hear your name, they're going to look you up on Facebook or look your Instagram up or see your website. So the, the videos and pictures on those sites, I think are huge. Yep. And, and so for you, is this more the organic side of thing, posting content, posting videos? Have we ventured into the paid advertising side of social media? Is that something that's come across your radar at all? A little bit. Yes. Um, I've done some of those. I really don't see a lot of success. And again, it's kind of, again, like I said, the trial and error, because I've had ones that worked great. You know, you get a lot of phone calls from them. I've had ones I've had zero phone calls from them. Um, So, and that's why I said, that's my least favorite part. I don't know what type of stuff to post. I could post the same video, you know, twice and it could do really well one time and really bad the other time. So that's yeah, why I, I think I, it's, it's kind tough. of putting it out there is good. Yeah. People make entire careers out of this. And yeah. so that's who someone, I mean. <laughs> for someone spending as much time on the training floor as you do, it can be difficult, right? It's uh, yeah. unlike, or similarly to many other things, it's a skill, right? The more we practice it, probably the better we'll be at it. Of course. Yes. So it, it makes sense that we wouldn't be immediately the greatest marketer of all time, but it's interesting that you have seen success with it. You have yeah. seen less than ideal success with it at times. And, and it can be intimidating for a, a small business like this to invest money in something with such an unsure outcome on the back end. Correct. Yeah. That's what I find when I talk to gym owners is usually similar sentiment. They've, they've tried it, either it worked or it didn't work. Uh, but the results were a little bit lackluster. And so there's kind of this jadedness yes. surrounding the the idea of it entirely. But in theory, it's a good practice. I mean, if we can put a dollar in and, and we get $3 back, then that sounds wonderful, but it and doesn't it always work out that way, right? <laughs> right. Well, like I said, so that's where like, I think the direct mailing um, postcards, I've actually had a lot of success with those. Um, so, you know, they have a couple coupons right on the side. People can you know, they can maybe hang it up on their fridge and call whenever they're ready or they call right away. But I've seen even long lasting success with those. Like I said, you know, right away we send it out and you'll kind of get that group of phone calls. Then a month later, I've heard of people say, oh, I found your coupon laying on my counter. It was up on my fridge and finally ready. So that kind of thing where it's, it's kind of in hand and people can look at it, I think is good too. They don't have to search for anything. Yeah. I think all of these things contribute to, right. If they see you on Facebook, they get a mailer, they drive by the facility. Eventually, we're going to push them over the edge. The exact thing that pushed them over, we may not know. Right. So it's probably a combination of all of these things. For you, I mean, once we get somebody interested, I'm interested in, in hearing the, the typical sales process because there's so much variety in how the fitness industry handles this. When someone reaches out to you, what happens between them reaching out and them eventually signing up as members? What does that conversation and sales process look like? Um, so the first thing I do is try to get them into the gym. Um, it's just easier to talk one-on-one with people, even while you're showing them around the gym. 
um, instead of just a phone call where you're just kind of spitting prices at them and spitting services at them. It's going in your one in you know, one ear out the other. Um, I try to get them in there. Um, again, that's kind of part of that intimidation factor too. Once they're in, they're a little bit more comfortable. So I think that kind of starts the whole process. And then just going forward, seeing what they're interested in. Do they want personal training? Do they want classes? Are they just coming to do it themselves? Um, but you can get a better feel for it. Like I said, face-to-face. Yeah. And so getting them in is kind of the logical first step. Yes. Once they're in, we have a more in-depth conversation about what's going to make sense with them. Do you track conversion percentage or, or how many of your leads actually sign up as members? Or is this more of like a gut feeling we sign up X amount of People. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, no, because some of it, you just get the random phone calls or some messages. So I don't really, um, I don't really track that unless it is on like the ads that I post on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, but we do have a pretty high conversion rate. Okay. Like I said, to put an exact number on it, I don't have that, but you know, yeah, sure. I, luckily once you, I can get them in there, um, I think that first step and getting them in the door just helps. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, keeping them in is another challenge altogether for you. What contributes most to retention and longevity of your membership? Um, I say just paying attention to them. You know, everybody's there for a different reason. Everybody has different goals, different, you know, problems, even like outside of the gym. So paying attention to them, knowing more than just their name, you know, maybe knowing their kids or their, their activities or their, vacations that they're going on. So staying interested in them as a person seems to really help. It just builds that relationship and keeps them coming back. I mean, and then also obviously having the the quality workouts, quality equipment, things like that help. Yeah. And I think like our whole conversation thus far, Erica has been sort of the customer acquisition process, right? How do we generate leads? How do we get them into the building? And then how do we convert them do you find for you, because there's a number of different services, do you find that people sign up at point of sale for things like your personal training service? Or do you find that it happens down the road at a later date that they sort of ascend into that? It's usually right there. At point of sale? At point of sale, yes. Got it. Uh, and, and so we, we pretty much know who's going to PT and who's not going to PT. I want to take a step back from all of this because we've, we've pretty much exhausted the business as it looks now. I want to look to the future a little bit and, and see where you anticipate this whole thing going. I think short-term is easiest to articulate usually. And so for you as the business owner here, what's sort of the, the short-term goal here? What are you guys looking to accomplish as you move forward? Um, so actually in August, we are moving to a new facility. Ah, okay. Uh, yes. So we are, it's about three times the size of the place that we're in now. Um, so that will, there's obviously growth there. We've kind of outgrown the space that we're in now. Good problems uh, to have. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Again, like I said, that's kind of where COVID was, was a, a blessing and a curse. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so we, we kind of quickly outgrew that space um, after we got going again. And then, yeah. So the middle of August, couple months here, we'll be opening a new facility. 
So that's kind of the, like I said, the short-term goal there. Yeah. Is just and trying to longer out term, and throw that. <laughs> yeah, fill it up, max out capacity there again. And yes. longer term, then what, Erica? What's sort of the big picture here for you? Um, I would like to have an, another location open as well. So, you know, from now we're just moving. So I'm not going to have two locations. I'm just going to have the the newer, the new location open. Um, so the big goal would be to have more than one open and operating at the same time. Got it. That's a fun conversation. I mean, we could spend an entire interview talking about <laughs> the challenges of moving from one location to a second. We'll have yeah. to get you back on at a later date and pick your brain about that. Uh, but before we sign out of here entirely and, and close up shop, I want to give you the chance to tell people where they could learn a little bit more about this. You mentioned social media, you mentioned a website. Where can we send people so that they know a little bit more about what you do? Um, you mean like what the... Yeah, what's the website? What are the social media links? Where can we find you? Sure, yeah. So the website is www.innovative.fit. And then the Instagram and the Facebook are both um, Innovative Fitness LLC. Perfect. Simple and easy. Erica, I've had a bunch of fun. I really appreciate this type of conversation and, and any kind of entrepreneur willing to share an inside look into what they do and be a little bit vulnerable at the same time and, and talk about what we're not as good at. It's a fantastically valuable conversation. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you because it sounds like there's a number of moving parts here and, and plenty of potential. So yes. you're nothing but the best and, and we hope to hear from you again down the road. Well, and thank you very much. I appreciate the chance to be on here and hopefully, you know, hopefully everybody could learn something as well. Absolutely. So thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, Click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.